This is your Times Daily World Briefing for Friday the 7th of October. I'm Nkem Ifejika. And I'm Bev Rimmer. 38 people, including many children, are killed as a man goes on a shooting and stabbing spree in Thailand. But he burst in through there and went into a room where a lot of the children were sleeping. And yes, we um, gathered that many of them never, um, never woke up. And in Iran, the government tries to stop protests. The chant was, we, we will fight, we will die, we will get take back Iran. And it's just heartbreaking because the Islamic Republic is an authoritarian government. And people are literally saying they're, they're willing to die for this cause of freedom, of change. Times of London Daily World Briefing. A warning, first of all, listeners may find some of the reporting in our top story distressing. A former police officer went on a shooting and stabbing spree at a nursery school in northeast Thailand, leaving 38 people dead. Among them were 24 young children, some of them aged as young as two. Video of the aftermath of the attack, which took place in a small community in Nongbua Lampu province, showed parents wailing and hugging each other after rushing to the scene. Hours earlier, they had dropped off their toddlers for the day, at the preschool centre, which is a pink single-storey building surrounded by a lawn and small palm trees in Utai Sawan, 310 miles northeast of Bangkok. The gunman, identified as Panya Kamrab, 34 years old, fled in his car after the massacre, running down more people and shooting as he went. When he got home, he killed his wife and son before taking his own life. Philip Sherwell is Asia correspondent for the Sunday Times. He's travelled to northeast Thailand where the attack happened. Very close-knit and all the families of these um, toddlers who were killed have sort of gathered in the um, open-sided town hall which is right by the scene of this atrocity and they are uh, waiting for news on when the um, coffins of their young children may be brought back. Philip also told Times Radio some more details of what happened. A lot of them were killed while they slept. It was actually a nap break. Um, It was about exactly 24 hours ago to this time, which is shortly after midday here in Thailand, that the the attacker burst in um, and he, um, he shot dead some staff members. He kicked in a door, but he burst in through there and went into a room where a lot of the children were sleeping. And yes, we um, gathered that many of them never, um, never woke up. Um, they weren't even aware of the, um, of the attack. It's, it's just truly incredible and inc- impossible to comprehend. He, he knew the layout of the institution because he'd had um, a son who had attended the, um, this, this uh, facility until about a month ago. And finally, Philip explained what was known about the perpetrator. So he is a former policeman. He was sacked um, um, last year from the police force locally for um, drug-related uh, drug use. Uh, we understand crystal methamphetamine, which is uh, speed tablets, which are a scourge of um, Thailand generally, in this northern area in particular. And um, he, the suggestions he had long-standing drugs problems that the police hadn't acted on. And we, you know, that, that at the moment is being reported by Thai media, but not confirmed. But we know that this very week, um, he was, in fact, this morning, due to hear a court verdict on uh, charges brought against him. Yesterday, he'd been in court for some sort of paperwork hearing, and he'd come from the court to here and went on his rampage. The Prime Minister and King of Thailand are expected in the region later. 
As Vladimir Putin turns 70, other world leaders have continued to condemn his thinly-veiled threat to use nuclear weapons if pushed. Addressing a Democratic Party fundraiser in New York, President Biden has called the Russian leader's words a risk of Armageddon, the biggest since the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962. As Nitsky is a correspondent currently in Ukraine. Nobody is um, dismissing the threats as as just idle threats. Everyone knows that Putin is panicked. He's not celebrating his 70th birthday the way that he imagined he would with with a victory parade. And his back is up against the wall. His political future is on the line. But a spokesperson from the Russian Foreign Ministry insists the country is still against nuclear war. Here's Maria Zakharova. We don't intend to play a part in this horrible discourse designed to pump up the nuclear rhetoric, edging it up a notch every time. It is the NATO-centric structures and countries and those who serve their interests in the information area that are doing this. Meanwhile, the Ukrainian leader has said his country's been hit once again by airstrikes. This is from Volodymyr Zelensky's latest daily address. Today, Russia once again struck Ukrainian cities from the sky. Russia once again used Iranian drones. They use them every day, and Iran still says every day that those drones are not here in Ukraine. Times of London Daily World Briefing on the way, Anusha Shuri's daughter warns Iran is too desensitized to suffering and will have the latest twist in the live golf tale. Anti-government protests in Iran are now in their third week. The unrest was triggered by the death of Masha Amini, who fell into a coma hours after being detained by morality police for allegedly violating the strict hijab law. The protests have spread from young women to schoolgirls asking for their human rights to be respected. As the demonstrations have spread around the world, one person who's taken part is Elika Ashuri. She's a British-Iranian daughter of Anoushe Ashuri. He was detained for five years in Iran and later released, along with Nazanin Zaghari Radcliffe, just a few months ago. On Thursday, she cut her hair live on television in the UK, a gesture of defiance, which has been used since the protests began. Elika told Times Radio why she did it. I feel like this is a, uh, an issue that's very important to me, very close to my heart. And um, um, we've tried to uh, get this news covered in uh, many um, different ways by raising awareness in many different ways for three weeks that these protests have now been happening. Um, but um, the news wasn't getting as much coverage as it should. Uh, and I felt like in solidarity with all the other feminists, activists and uh, very notable women that I know, it was good that I was given that platform to also cut my hair and mm. uh, get the message out to a wider audience. Alika Ashari said these protests were different because of the involvement of the teenage girls. I feel like this time round, um, because um, it's the millennials, it's the teenage demographic of Iran, you know, girls as young as 16 um, are going into the streets to protest. Uh, there is a, a raw quality to it because um, these girls have a grown up, you know, with the Internet. They, they know what they're missing. They know what's out there. 
So far, more than 80 people have been killed in clashes between protesters and the security forces. Authorities in Iran have blamed foreign entities for the unrest, including the US and Israel. Joe Biden has taken steps to change the United States' policy on marijuana. The president has pardoned thousands of people with previous federal convictions for possessing the drug. He urged state governors to look again at their laws. No one should be in jail just for using or possessing marijuana. It's already legal in many states. And criminal records for marijuana possession have led to needless barriers to employment, to housing, to educational opportunities. And that's before you address the racial disparities around who suffers the consequences. While white and black and brown people use marijuana at similar rates, black and brown people are arrested, prosecuted and convicted at disproportionately higher rates. Many supporters also welcomed the change because of how it could impact racial imbalances within the U.S. justice system. These people were also pleased. It makes sense just because it shouldn't be classified as those other hard drugs that are out there. I have felt that all my life. I don't think you should have to do jail time for it, especially if you're not doing uh, jail time for alcohol. It should have been done a long time ago. There's so many shops, you look around every corner, we're selling weed, and the person that's in jail for doing the same thing, let's just say something smaller, whatever the amount, they're in jail for life. After President Biden's address, shares of some cannabis growers and sellers jumped by more than 20%. The Times Daily World Briefing. Sport. There's been another twist in Live Golf's quest for world ranking points for its players. The official World Golf Ranking Organization has announced that no world ranking points will be awarded for the Saudi-backed league's next two events. That's despite the partnership they struck up with the Middle East and North Africa Tour earlier this week. It was hoped the arrangement would mean that live golfers could accrue world ranking points immediately, circumventing the one-year wait of its direct application. Liv officially requested inclusion in the points ranking system last month, with the rankings used to determine exemptions for golf's four major championships and also for players to qualify for the Olympic Games. The next Liv Golf event begins on Friday at Stonehill Golf Course near Bangkok in Thailand. The Times Daily World Briefing. Entertainment. The German sportswear brand Adidas says it's putting its relationship with rapper and designer Kanye West under review. The multi-award-winning artist recently said Adidas was stealing his ideas. He subsequently deleted the social media posts where he made the accusation. Adidas said it had tried to resolve the issues with the rapper privately, but added the collaboration requires mutual respect. Kanye West's uh, Yeezy trainers have been hugely popular, with Adidas describing their partnership as one of the most successful in the brand's history. The announcement came just days after Kanye West wore a controversial White Lives Matter t-shirt at Paris Fashion Week. The slogan was coined in response to the Black Lives Matter movement, which began in protest against police brutality in the United States. For her books about class divisions in northern France, Annie Ernaud has landed the Nobel Prize in Literature. The 82-year-old has written largely autobiographical works about her working-class background and struggled to fit in with the French bourgeoisie. She didn't have much to say outside her home in Paris, but told reporters she was pleased with the win. Yes, of course. I'm very happy. Voilà. The awarders of the prize, said Ernaud, consistently and from different angles, examines a life marked by strong disparities regarding gender, language and class. She wrote her first book, Les Armoires Vides, 
1974, but gained international recognition with the publication of Les Années in 2008. And that's your Times Daily World Briefing for Friday, the 7th of October. This podcast from The Times is brought to you in partnership with Google Podcasts. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.